Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News. Um, after last week's kind of time off, I am I'm ready to try to bring you uh, everything that's happening in the world of zoos and aquariums and conservation and animals in general. Um, and we're going to do our best, y'all. If you didn't hear last Friday's almost minute-long episode... Um, I was in the hospital, and uh, so we didn't get to do a real episode last week, and I am still heavily in recovery mode. So um, we're going to give this a shot, see how it goes. Haven't been doing a whole lot of speaking and uh, have a lot of stuff going on, but, um, you know, I, I want to be here with y'all, and I want to I wanna have a, a normal episode. So we're going to give it a shot. We're going to see how it goes, and um, if I have to shut down in the middle or something, then, hey, so be it. You know, I've I've been debating uh, ever since this all went down how open and honest I wanted to be on here about what I was going through right now, and I've I've come to realize that um, that's kind of what this community is all about. And I know that that y'all appreciate it when I'm super honest and super open. So, um, yeah, I guess we're gonna start off this episode uh, by me telling you what's been going on with me in the last week plus, and um, it's a doozy, y'all. On a quick side note, I realize that some of you do come here for animals and don't really give much of a crap about what's going on in my life, and hey, I respect that too. So if you don't want to hear about what I've been going through this week, uh, skip ahead to around the 11-minute mark, and, and you'll be able to pick up without, you know, hearing me ramble about being in the hospital and stuff. Cool. So, uh, okay, um, slightly embarrassing story, but hey, there's no reason to be embarrassed. Things happen. Um, so yeah, a, a little over a week ago, I was driving up to my gig doing Spamalot at Northern Stage, and uh, I, I noticed just the smallest bit of discomfort in my scrotal region. And I will tell you, as somebody who drives often six, seven, eight hours in a day, multiple days in a row, you know... Sometimes that happens. Sometimes I'll get a little, maybe a little cut down there or um, or even just a, a little bit. Maybe my undies ride uncomfortably for a couple hours. And when I get out of the car to get gas or something, I'll be like, oh, that is that is mildly uncomfortable. Um, you know, they, they just they're just kind of hanging out. And uh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going so well anyway. Um, but when I got out of the car, I noticed that um there was just like the smallest bit of swelling and and a little bit of a cut down there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's probably nothing to worry about. And I, I continued on my merry way to um to Vermont. And I got into my housing and I was tired. And um as a kind of side note, uh one of the guys that, that I was gonna play the show with um stole some of my food and made some bad life choices. And the whole thing was very awkward. And this was just the first night and I was sore and I wasn't feeling great. And I was just like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to look back on this night and laugh as it will have been the worst night of the contract, but uh, screw it. I'm going to bed. 
And then that night I woke up with really bad shivers. I I vomited. I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. But I also hadn't been sleeping well and I didn't really equate it to anything going on down below. Um until I woke up the next morning and uh, was getting into the shower and getting ready to head to the theater and realized that the small swelling had become less small in its swellingness. And so, okay, whatever. I took my shower and I went to what's called the designer run of the show, which is when you get to watch the show and I get to follow along in my drum book and, um, yeah, see what what's going to be happening, what I'm going to be playing. And then uh, after that... I realized that the swelling was still a little worse and I was still not feeling great and I really didn't have an appetite, which is unfortunate. And I thought to myself, all right, I probably have a small infection. I need to get to um, to uh, uh, an urgent care and, and get some urgent care, get some antibiotics and uh, get on my merry way. And so I headed to an urgent care conveniently located next to a Mexican restaurant I was hoping to hit up after feeling better. And uh, instead of them giving me some antibiotics, they told me I needed to get to the emergency room right away. So I did. And an entire team of emergency room doctors, nurses, and urologists weren't quite sure what the heck was going on with me. So they put me on an IV, gave me some fluids, gave me some antibiotics, and started doing all of the tests. Y'all, I I have done all of the tests now. They even made me retake my SATs. Like, it was crazy in there. And to make a long story short, they decided that I could not go home. And over the next couple of days, we're able to take a culture of what was going on and figure out that basically... I got strep type A down there. It's very common that if you have a cut and you happen to get around a disease, the disease can get inside you. Not quite sure what happened, but um, it could be as, as simple as just had a small cut and and happened to be exposed to the disease, say, in a bathroom or something. And uh, yeah, so I got strep in my scrotum and it caused a ton of inflammation and a ton of pain, as you can imagine. So they started fighting it with me in the hospital with three types of antibiotics, and it was just uh, a lot of discomfort. I, I have to keep the area elevated. The whole thing is just kind of a mess. But here's where the crazy gets really crazy. So after a little while, I was told I needed to get up and go for a walk to avoid blood clots and stuff like that. And um, honestly, I don't even remember what day this is, uh, what day this was, rather. I do know what day this is. It's Thursday when I'm recording this. Um, but uh, they, they told me to go for a walk. And as I went for the walk, I got some kind of sad news um, and not quite sure what all caused it. But after walking about 20 minutes, I got back into my hospital bed. And I wasn't feeling well. Um, things were feeling weird. And so I called the nurse and the nurse said that um, she would get some vitals. And she took some vitals, looked very concerned and walked out the room. And suddenly an entire team of cardiologists was racing in and racing around me, telling me they thought I might be having a heart attack. Now, most likely, I did not have a heart attack, and I'm, I'm saying it that way because uh, there's still a very small percentage of a chance that I did, but it wasn't a blockage-based one. Anyway, uh, the team rushed me to the cardiology ward and performed a cardiac catheterization, which is when they take a camera, shove it up your wrist and into your heart and check out every vein and artery and 
all the things up there. Well, the good news of this is that I uh, I have a really good looking heart. Apparently, um, it's 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 a young man's heart. I have no blockages. It was whatever happened with my heart was not like a traditional, you know, too much blockage heart attack. So we know that, and that's cool. Um, the bad news is it really hurt my wrist. I still can't lift anything. Um, drumming's right out of the question for at least a couple weeks. So I am no longer doing spam a lot at Northern Stage. By the way, Northern Stage was incredible through all of this. Uh, if you are someone in the arts, I can't recommend working there strongly enough. It's it's an amazing, beautiful place. And they, they care about you as family, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, and so now I am at home. But by home, I actually mean that I have some family up here and I am staying with them. They are being incredibly gracious so that I can be near the hospital and near my doctors because I have a bunch of follow-ups and all kinds of stuff going on. They believe they know what happened with my heart and basically um, a little bit of the strep appears to have broken off and shot into my heart during my walk. And uh, that caused some issues very briefly, but it didn't like take hold or anything. And and so I, I'm fine. Um probably. They still want to do an MRI just to to make sure that they're not missing anything because, you know, your heart is kind of important. Uh, so yeah, so I'm going to be up here in Hanover, New Hampshire for the next couple of weeks, slowly recuperating. The uh, strep has been cleared out of my body, but it left a lot of a different kind of swelling. Um, and so <laughs> that's slowly going down, and that's that's been a fun journey for me. And yeah, most of my day has to be spent lying in bed, not sitting even, lying, with uh, my boys elevated and my right wrist doing as little as possible as I heal from all of this. Um, it has been a hell of a time. It's been horrendous, but I'm, I'm grateful to the team and, um, grateful that we're ruling out, you know, any other issues and, um, yeah, highly recommend not, not plopping any cut parts of your body into a strep. If you can, if you can help it though, that's, that's my takeaway from this. Okay, well, there you have it. A super vulnerable and probably way too long update on what's going on with me. So let's get to an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, and so there you have it, and now it is time. Let's get to Zoo News. Zoo News. It's the news that's about Zoo Zoo News. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, y'all. So um, we're going to start off Zoo News this week with a bit of a rant from your buddy John. Um, you know, I don't like to be particularly negative about 
zoos, especially uh, ones that I, I like, ones that are accredited, ones that do good work, and ones that uh, are local to me and I'm a member of, but it's time to do just that. As many of you know, one of the best ways for zoos to raise money and help people connect with the animals that live there are animal adoption packages. Now, obviously, you don't get to actually adopt the animal, but by symbolically adopting an animal at a zoo or aquarium, you get to not only help fund the care of that animal, and different places really do break it down. Some specifically will send, you know, that money directly to those animals. Others, it kind of goes to a general pot, but the idea is still there that you're helping with this specific animal. And depending on how much you pay and the facility and stuff, you get pictures and find out their name and get little information cards and and maybe even a, a stuffed animal and you get to bond with that animal. And really, that's what the zoo is selling. It's selling a bond with an animal at the zoo, building that connection, hopefully deepening your interest in conservation. It's, it's a beautiful thing, except for when it's ugly. I was recently in uh, one of the Red Panda fan groups on Facebook because, yep, I'm that guy. And a person posted two pictures of the two red pandas that they had seen at the Philly Zoo that day and said that they weren't sure which was which, but that one of them was Spark, who had been adopted for them. I went in and explained that uh, one of the pictures was Kumbi and the other one was not Spark, as Spark is no longer at the Philly Zoo and is, in fact, no longer alive. Uh, my my intention was, was not to sow discord, but merely to inform and, and let them know um, that an animal that I thought had been adopted for them many years ago, you know, had moved on and just kind of let them know what was going on. This did not go over well with the original poster because uh, Spark had just been adopted for them. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Philadelphia Zoo website right now, you can not only adopt Kumbi, but you can adopt Spark, who is dead, and Ping Jing and Yeren, their two cubs from many years ago who have both moved to multiple different facilities since then, and one of whom even has been renamed. So, for the record, you can currently adopt four red pandas at the Philadelphia Zoo, one of whom is there, two of whom are gone, one with a different name, and one of whom is dead. Don't adopt the dead red panda, folks. I reached out to multiple departments at the Philadelphia Zoo and left multiple messages, and uh, their response was this. And honestly, I'm really pissed off about this. I'm angrier about this than maybe I should be. But there's a reason for that. The only reason that symbolic adoptions make sense is if the zoo is being honest with you and helping to foster that connection. You cannot connect someone to a dead animal. It's not right. It's not fair. You have to do such little work to make sure that your adoptions are up to date. And look, if, if Spark had just left or just passed, I, I get it, okay? I know there are staffing shortages. I know that Philly in particular has been asking for a lot of extra help right now. But you have to be honest and authentic if you're going to do something like this. They've been pushing animal adoptions lately. Don't push adopting a dead animal, zoos, please. 
If anyone is listening to this who is involved in animal adoptions at your facility, please either just make them beg. So many places you can just, you know, adopt a red panda or the red pandas, and that's cool. But if you're going to be more specific, please make sure that you're being authentic and that you're actually putting out good information. Uh, the, the woman in question who posted that was devastated. And honestly, so was I. I hated being a part of that, even though it was, it was done in innocence. But, um, I, I just, I feel so bad for her and I feel terrible about the fact that she had to learn about the death of an animal that she just had adopted for her. Um, it's, it's really not okay. And, and the Philly Zoo needs to do better. And any other facility out there that may have the same problem, try to do better as well, please. Now, on a happier note, and to follow up on an earlier story, the Memphis Zoo, the Chinese Association of Zoological Gardens, and the AZA have released a joint statement on giant panda cooperation and how the pandas at the zoo are doing well. You may remember that I mentioned recently that because of them looking a little, um, different, not in a bad way, but let's just say they have a unique look for for their species. Uh, The bears at the Memphis Zoo have gotten a lot of attention, including Billie Eilish trying to claim that they are being mistreated and aren't healthy and need to be sent home to China immediately. Well, getting a huge celebrity in made a huge deal about all of this again, but it turns out that vets from the Chinese Association of Zoological Gardens, which actually own the pandas, and the team at Memphis, as well as some independent vets, all got together and confirmed that the giant pandas are doing super well, just like we all knew. Weirdly, all of the animal activists that I saw posting about Billie Eilish trying to save these poor, poor panda bears have been silent on this fact. You know, I actually had a few different people start commenting on my different posts about this situation, saying that they've personally been in touch with the zoos in China that are going to be reclaiming their bears any day now. And I called them liars and blocked them because they were lying. And um, yeah, now we actually have our proof of that. So uh, pretty excited that that situation should be resolved. Although, as we all know, the people who are determined to make it a thing will still attempt to make it a thing. But it's nice to know that both China and the Memphis Zoo have confirmed that their pandas are doing quite well. Oh, and speaking of happy news, uh, a story came out recently that tore through all of the zoo world that an entire zoo in Ukraine had been suffering so much damage and had so many cages destroyed that they were going to have to euthanize all of their animals. And that was believed to be the case for about half a day. Fortunately, that is not what ended up happening as... um, Let's see here. The deputy mayor of Kharkiv, where this was happening, was able to help find homes for the animals, and they have been rehomed. So again, this is one of those situations where you're just not seeing the follow-up story hitting as many places as the initial one. So if, if you did read about the Kharkiv Zoo that was going to euthanize all of their animals, they're not. It's okay. I mean, it's war. It sucks. But um, at least that's not happening. Right? 
Now, we all know that Fiona is the queen of Cincinnati, but did you know that she's also going to be a big sister? That's right, y'all. You may remember that um, earlier this year, well, nope, that's a lie, it's a new year. Last year, a male hippo named Tucker moved to Cincinnati on a breeding wreck with Bibi, and uh, it turns out that it seems to have been a pretty good wreck because that whole breeding thing happened, and now she is pregnant again. So it's going to be really interesting to follow this. Um, we don't know if the same issues that, that caused Fiona to be born so prematurely and stuff will, will rear their head again or if it'll be healthy, but the one thing that I love is that the Cincinnati Zoo is so freaking transparent all the time that we'll get to follow this story, um, you know, to the end, whatever it may be. And I certainly hope that it is a happy one. Now, for those of you that are wondering, Hippo Cove is large enough to house four hippos comfortably. So this does not mean that anyone will have to move away. And the odds are that Fiona will never leave Cincinnati. Um, what this does mean down the road is that maybe some some other juggling will have to happen, especially if there is a breeding wreck for Fiona. But uh, for right now, it's time to just celebrate the absolute awesomeness that is BB being pregnant. Yay! The AZA has announced that they have officially joined the Preventing Pandemics at the Source Coalition, which is a group of, you know, different organizations that are working to prevent the next pandemics before they happen through a variety of scientific means. Uh, the information coming from the AZA, especially given that so many diseases start off as zoonotic diseases, should definitely help prevent this next pandemic, whatever it may be. And hey, here's our friendly reminder that we're still in one now, even though most of us, uh, myself included, sometimes are pretending not. So please make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And if you are eligible for a second booster, maybe go ahead and get it. And now two quick stories out of the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and I am just so sad that I have not made it there yet. First of all, the aquarium has announced that they are now completely 100% single-use plastic-free, the entire gift shop. That is so cool. They're using a lot of cardboard packaging and reusable bags and all that good stuff, and so they're really uh, putting their, their money where their mouth is. Um, not a single, single-use plastic anywhere in the gift shop at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And speaking of that aquarium, five years in the making, Into the Deep, a new $15 million exhibition has opened at the aquarium that highlights high-tech marine biology and mysterious ocean creatures. You can see things like snow globe jellies, weird corals, worms that eat bone, including consuming whale carcasses. The whole exhibit looks absolutely amazing and unlike anything I've seen at any other aquarium. And I'm really excited that I'm probably going to be gigging up that way in September because I want to go to there. A 25-year-old hornbill named Crescent that lives at Zoo Tampa has been given a new lease on life thanks to 3D printing. Y'all know I love these stories. Um, 
Yeah, so there was a lesion on the base of her cask, uh, which is the helmet-like growth on the upper beak of a hornbill. And they realized that it was probably a carcinoma, meaning a deadly cancer in hornbills. Um, And so they decided to try something radical. They removed the area of the bill that the cancer was found in, which, again, would normally be fatal for the hornbills. But then they were able to 3D print an exact replica, which they attached to Crescent's beak. It was so effective that um, after the surgery and recovery, uh, Crescent is doing so well. There have been no behavior changes detected, no eating habits changing, nothing. This is an incredible success story and just another amazing way that um, incredible zoos like Zoo Tampa are saving their animals every day and making the world safer for all captive animals. And that brings us to... Stereotypical podcast theme song here to bring you to conservation news it has long been known that when naval ships and other sea vessels use sonar many whale species flee for their lives some even go as far as to strand themselves on beaches in a desperate attempt to escape the sonar But up until recently, we've never really understood why that's a thing. Now we do. Scientists have discovered that the most likely reason for this is that the loud sonar sounds trigger the same fear response as when the animals hear calls emitted by killer whales. A study done by Patrick Miller, a marine biologist at the University of St. Andrews, attached sound and dive recording tags with suction cups to randomly chosen members of four whale species, sperm, humpback, long-finned pilot, and northern bottlenoses, in the Norwegian Sea above the Arctic Circle. They then tracked them, following them in a boat that was either silent at times or transmitted a couple of different types of sonar and recorded the results. The scientists don't believe that the whales were actually confusing the sonar with killer whale sounds, but merely were using the same flight response that they have when killer whales are in the area. The hope is that now that this is understood, humans will start using sonar differently or at different volumes to try to find a way to coexist with whales in the wild. A new species of crayfish has been discovered, known as the Cataluchi crayfish. It's about six inches long, and uh, that's pretty big for a crayfish, and it's only found in North Carolina and Tennessee. For a long time, people have talked about the, quote, big water crayfish that was found in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, but because it was similar to a large crayfish found in Ohio, Virginia, and West Virginia, it was believed that it was the same species. However, recent evidence has come to light that it is, in fact, its own species. And as I always mention on here, the reason this matters is that now that we know that it is its own species, we know that there aren't actually a ton of them out there, and they live in a very small habitat, so now we can come up with a very specific conservation plan to save said species. I know I complain about taxonomy a lot, but this is actually a great example of how, you know, figuring out the exact taxonomy of an animal can help save it, which is good. Yay, that. 
Both in Zoo News and in some of the episodes like the Moat Marine Lab Manatee episode, we have been discussing the crazy mortality event that is taking place in Florida, wiping out a ton of manatees down there. Well, over the winter, to help with the situation, Florida actually came up with an experimental program to feed starving manatees, uh, which is now ending as the weather gets better again. But um, over 202,000 pounds of lettuce has been fed to manatees at a power plant on Florida's east coast where the animals gather in cold months because of the warm water discharge from the power plant. Uh, Most of the cost of this was taken care of by donations from all around the world, which is awesome. And uh, with spring hitting here, that effort is ending, but the plan is to resume it next uh, winter again. This is not the best news that it's ending because the manatees are still struggling like crazy, but hopefully the weather will help make up for some of that with additional seagrass and um, efforts to curb the pollution that is causing much of this problem. This is actually the first time that a wild feeding program like this has ever been tried, and it was wildly successful, although I do think it's worth mentioning that um, manatees and lettuce are a much easier species to feed and food to feed than what would be needed in other parts of the world where there are animals that are having major issues. While the program is ending for now, I hope it'll happen again next winter, and I hope that uh, we're able to figure out exactly what's going on with these manatees and fix it, because this has been an ongoing problem for a long time now. In other A new study of orb-weaving spiders shows that they use their webs as extended auditory arrays to capture sounds, possibly giving them advanced warning of incoming prey or predators. In particular, this research shows, for the first time, that spiders will turn, crouch, or even flatten out in response to different sounds in the air that are being picked up by their webs. The study is being done in part because we're trying to understand how to make better microphones for things like hearing aids and cell phones. And while that might sound crazy, it's not actually the first time. Ron Miles, who is one of the people involved in this study, has done previous research, which has led to the invention of novel microphone designs that are based on hearing in insects. What is still not understood is exactly how the spiders are, quote, hearing the vibrations from the web. Is it a feeling thing? Is there actually some form of internal ear that we don't know about? Still uncertain. However, we do know that they are having an amazing reaction, even when the webs are huge, and that they seem to not only just know that something is happening, but seem to be able to understand exactly what it is and start to react to it. This is very cool. Also, blah, 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 Spider-Man, Spider-Sense, Peter Tingle, etc. If you know, you know. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Hey! All right, friends, and that brings us to our animal holidays for the month and week. A reminder that April is Ape Awareness Month and National Frog Month. And then let's see here. We are picking up on the 15th, which is one of the last days of Canadian Wildlife Week. And then um, the 16th is Save the Elephant Day. 
and also starts National Park Week. The 17th is National Crawfish Day and Bat Appreciation Day. And you really should appreciate bats. They're really cool. And then let's see here. April 20th is Cuckoo Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. did it. I really wasn't sure that was going to happen. This one took a while and I needed some breaks, but we got through it. So I'm pretty excited about that and pretty proud of it. Um, I want to say thanks to Laura Shank, my Red Panda Level patron, and to Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, and Kristen Khalil for contributing to this week's episode. I'm excited to take you back to the Aquarium of the Pacific on Tuesday, assuming we're able to get that episode edited and everything in time, and uh, give you a little tour of the aquarium with yours truly and Cassandra Davis, who you heard uh, back in the Sea Turtles in the River episode. So I'm really excited to share that with y'all. And uh, don't forget to be going out there and catching up on all the old episodes, because y'all, there's still a lot of really cool stuff coming your way. And hey, don't forget, if you would like to contribute to Ross Safari Zoo News, you can tag me in stories or send them to me or all that good stuff at Ross Safari on social media. You guys know the jam by now. Uh, and your final reminder is that the words, newsy credits backwards, are Stiderk Yeswen. The Ross Safari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Ross Safari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Ross Safari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.